0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the World Cup podcast on FRS. My name is Sebastian Orin. With me is Elliot. Elliot, it almost sounds like you're on the bustling streets of St. Petersburg, but you're not.
1: <laughs> no, I'm in the uh, bustling Montgomery distillery of Missoula, Montana. Also okay. a lovely place, though. Not much soccer being played here.
0: Not many Russians there?
1: Uh, no. I have nope. not met one here, having lived here for five years. So.
0: Okay, well... You know, who knows? Maybe there's one or two.
1: No, yeah, I've met some Germans and some Swedes, so, you know.
0: There we go. Yeah, we're going to recap the uh, match day three for groups F through G, and then we'll take a look ahead at the round of 16 here. No poly today either. I don't know what. He wasn't even a late scratch today, he was just a scratch. <laughs> he was kind of a late scratch, but
1: he's certainly been itchy of late.
0: Yes. Okay, so starting things off in Group F. uh, Two, uh, you know, pretty good results there, especially if you're Swedish. Uh, Mexico, Sweden ended in a 3-0 win for my Sweden. A pretty good game for the Swedes here after uh, that heartbreak of a loss to Germany.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they... they came out and mexico had some chances but sweden really dominated it and, you know i was thinking about this earlier that like for all of the difficulties of any and every world cup sweden sweden essentially had to beat one of the favorites to win the tournament anyway in italy in order to even be here and so you know like they've had uh, as tough a qualifying route as anyone i would even include the south american teams in that and we I think we saw the very best of Sweden on the last match day, and that can only be beneficial to them moving forward.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, I mean, they did finish above uh, the Netherlands in their qualification group as well. Um, that also had France in it. So, it was uh, definitely a good one for the Swedes here. And then the other gaming group, F: South Korea, beating Germany 2-0. So, Germany, the reigning champs. And last in Group F
1: yeah yeah it was uh, I mean I you know I've been talking about this previously that I was both you know of course it's shocked to see Germany crash out of the World Cup in the group stage because Germany is Germany but any team playing as poorly as they have can't be a shock um, you know I think that at the end of the day there so two really two players have been singled out and one of them is Matsummel's as kind of scapegoats for this. And I think Matsumos, there's something to be said about that, right? He, can, he criticized the collective team and its defending after the first match, got benched, even though they called it an injury for the second, and then came back into the third, had three phenomenal chances, and spurned them all. And, you know, he like he's had his little mea culpa moment, but he absolutely is, I think, like probably should ha- shoulder most of the blame, but... We've been having, like, I've heard a lot about Mesut Oertzel, you know, and even Yurgi Love in the post-game conference defended Oertzel and was like, oh, you know, it's, uh, it's not just him who underperformed, but still suggesting that he underperformed. But he created seven chances, including the most glorious chance that Hummels, like, made a waste of. And seven chances created is more than any single player has created in any match in this whole tournament. And it's just, he always ends up being the scapegoat because he has this kind of loping running style, and so people think that he's lazy. And I think it's ridiculous, but I also think that, hey, I'm happy to have him on a lot more rest coming off the World Cup than I'd anticipated for Arsenal.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a very big disappointment for Germany. You could call it a fiasco, of course, as reigning champs not being able to get out of the group. But at the same time, like you said, they just haven't played well enough. And uh, congrats to South Korea for getting at least a win here. Yeah, no, it was, I,
1: and it, you, did you see the, uh, the shots of Mexican fans, like, lifting South Korean fans and throwing them into the air in jubilation?
0: Yes, yeah, I saw that, and they had a gathering outside the South Korean uh, consulate in uh, Mexico City, too which was kind of fun to see. Uh, Group E, Switzerland, Costa Rica ended in a 2-2 draw, and Brazil defeated Serbia 2-0. So Brazil moves on along with Switzerland from Group E.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, Brazil seem to be sort of coming into their own, but they hardly look like the unbeatable juggernauts that they've been built up to be, that perhaps they're always built up to be. You know, they, they look a, a talented but vulnerable side.
0: Absolutely, I don't. We'll see how we, if they can kick things into gear here when the round of 16 starts. But yeah, they haven't been convincing. I would say the most convincing teams so far have been Croatia and Belgium. Yes, no,
1: I I agree, I agree entirely. And uh, well, I mean, we'll get to Belgium, but I, I think that Croatia are kind of the. Maybe sneakily the team to beat outside of Belgium in terms of their form uh, and just how cohesively they play together. You know, they are one of the most organized sides in the tournament so far.
0: Yep, sneaky good, sneaky good. Uh, group H, we um, that was weird. The end of Poland, Japan. So it was one nothing Poland, and then Colombia defeated Senegal one nothing. So Colombia won the group, and Japan moves on due to having fewer yellow cards than Senegal. and
1: Yeah, it's heartbreak for Senegal.
0: And for, like, the last 15, 10, 15 minutes of the Poland-Japan game, you know, the Japanese would just keep the ball and sort of pass it among themselves, in, you know, in the in defense, really, because they, they're like, okay, well, we can't afford to let in another goal. And then they were just banking on Colombia winning against Senegal.
1: Yeah, which, they you know, they... They did. I, I did feel for, for Senegal. I thought that there was one golden chance they had, and there was a foul called during the attack. And I thought the defender just went up for it and then kind of came down over the back of the Senegalese attacker. And they called a foul. And I, I, I for me, that's not that's not a foul. You know, he he stood his ground. He didn't hip check him at all. Uh, I was like, what? But the player went up and came down awkwardly on top of another. That's to me that's not a foul it shouldn't have negated the goal scoring chance and one of those moments in which i really wish that they had let it run and then let it go var if it has to be that because that could have been i mean that could be the difference that means that senegal is playing another game in the round of 16
0: yeah no that's true was so no african team in the round of 16 we got one asian team there with japan so uh, it, it will be interesting. I mean, it was it was also weird there with the Japanese. You know, it's always weird when you're losing but still happy. But um, oh yeah, good on them for yeah, making well, it out of the group.
1: Japan Mexico can be friends in that sense.
0: Very very true. Then we had Group G. Belgium defeated England one nothing, so they take the group win there, and then uh, they move along with England to the next round. And then Tunisia beat Panama two to one. So, no points for Panama.
1: No, not a point. That, again, makes me, on the one hand, a little bit bitter about the United States' failure to qualify because of Panama and their phantom goal. But we also fucked it up ourselves. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I just feel like they would have put up a better show than Panama.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, they would have. Absolutely. But, you know, they failed to show up too many times before to deserve to have that stage. Yeah, that's
0: very true. Okay, let's move over to the round of 16 that kicks off on Saturday with France against Argentina. We'll get a good one right off the bat. 10 a.m. kickoff Eastern.
1: I I will be waking up at 8 for that.
0: You make it sound like such a sacrifice.
1: Oh, yeah, it is, man. It's a... The whole thing.
0: Oh, I'll wake up at eight for that. Oh, come on. I would wake up at like I mean, three a.m. for just a regular mundane Premier League game when I lived out west.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll wake up for it. I'm also in my like last moments of vacation before throwing myself under the bus of academia and seeing a bunch of old friends. So it's rare that i'm not consuming copious amounts of alcohol in the evening and that makes 8 a.m seem a little earlier three would almost be easier because i could just stay up
0: <laughs> yeah that's true that's true you can uh, just get up and do irish coffee for breakfast
1: yeah well i've i have done that i'm trying to stick to normal coffee so i can keep half a day of sobriety in me but you know well again it is what it is
0: uh... <laughs> yeah so france argentina i i mean who do you favor in this one
1: Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, they're two extremely talented teams that have been playing extremely below their potential, <laughs> so it's kind of hard to call. Uh, I mean, my my instinct is to say Argentina uh, again, just based on the fact that like they had that huge emotional win to round out the group stage. Um, but they've also just looked adject in defense, so it, it it's hard to say. I mean, I, I think that that France had the more consistent group stage, but they didn't ever look, again, similar to Brazil, a dominant team to beat. So, I think this one's going to be nip and tuck, and it's probably going to be a dodgy little 1-0 in which either team could have had
0: it. Yeah. And then the late, late kickoff on Saturday, that's Uruguay against Portugal. So, Cristiano Ronaldo going up against Edison Cabani and Luis Suárez.
1: And Uruguay is going to eat him alive.
0: I mean, I would hope so, almost. Although uh, I, know, I don't, experience. I don't feel like Portugal have been as boring to watch though as they were in the Euros.
1: That is damning with faint praise.
0: Yes, it is. But
1: um, and I, I mean, there's there's always the moment for Ronaldo magic. But I think that in order for Portugal to advance in this tournament. He needs to not only score in every game but probably get a brace or a hat trick in a couple as well and he's capable of doing that, but you know he has to play he has to play a handful of the best games of his entire life consistently over the course of the next few weeks in order
0: for them to have a chance.: Yeah I mean going forward they need to play more like they did in the game against Spain and then make sure to shore up defense but they have Pepe so you never know what happens there.
1: Yeah, we'll see, but that's one that I fully expect Uruguay to win. Mm.
0: I don't know. I think it can. That might be one of those games that goes all the way to penalties.
1: I could be. I could. I could see that as well. But I, um, I just. I think that Suarez and Cabani are really kicking on together, and that's. You know, and you want to talk about. Uh, quick little goal poacher who can also score from distance, and a traditional target man who also has versatility to his game. They are the perfect strike partnership.
0: Yeah. Although you said Argentina in the first game, I'm, I'm going to be different and go with France there, and then you say Uruguay in this one. I'm going to say Portugal on penalties. Uh, Sunday, our early kickoff is Spain against the host, Russia. I mean, Spain should win this yeah i mean
1: this is this is a classic of the under the the talented team underperforming and the scrappy team punching above their weight but they got punched out by uruguay and i expect them to get knocked out by spain
0: yeah yeah spain i mean it's they don't feel as threatening as they have in the past
1: no, and you know, I'll say I'll say this as well, that I, okay, I'll, I'll go out on a limb, even though I'm envisioning Portugal winning on penalties now, and it is horrible, <laughs> but that could happen. I think that it is more likely that Russia qualify than Portugal qualify, even though I still think Spain is going
0: to win. Ooh, okay. I mean, if Russia somehow can get the first goal, then I think it could be a pretty interesting it's game. No way, I yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, I think it's going to be a lot of Spain rolling, a lot of... They're going to have major possession numbers in this game.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. No, it's going to be... I, Even though I think there's a chance Russia could win, or at least get a draw and force extra time and maybe penalties, it's going to be 70-30 possession, absolutely. Yeah. I almost said it's going to be 70-30 possession, 100%, which, you know...
0: Yes, that ratios. is a- Yep, seventy plus thirty is a hundred. That's true. Uh, the Good late, math. yeah, the late kickoff on Sunday, two p.m. Eastern. That's Croatia against Denmark. So, that's
1: honestly that's the hardest one for me to pick. Even though I think Croatia has been dominant.
0: Yeah, no, uh, I was gonna say I don't, I don't have any qualms with this. I think Croatia is gonna run away with it. Denmark has not uh, impressed me at all.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Okay, well, we'll see. I I would say 2-1 to Croatia, but maybe the one goal is like a late Christian Eriksen rip from outside the box that makes it nervy at the last minute, but they've led for 80 minutes, so it's not actually a consistently close fought contest.
0: Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, Croatia, like you said, have been playing well in the group stage. I think that they are definitely a dark horse for this sneaky good and everything, and this is sort of their chance, too, with this core group of players, because I don't expect Modric to be there in four years, and if he is, he's going to be very old.
1: Yeah, I mean, he could, I, the thing is that I could see him playing kind of like an aging D- David Beckham role, right, where he... He's not the intrepid number 10 who's, like, juking players to rip shots from the edge of the area. But he's, you know, kind of more a deep-lying midfielder who sends accurate balls into the box. Uh, because he's just got so much raw talent and technical ability.
0: Yeah, he really does. He really, really does. They had a pretty scrappy game against Iceland in their last game. They did win 2-1. to Um, so we'll see if they can keep things going against Denmark. Then on Monday, we have Brazil against Mexico. That's the 10 AM kickoff. And of course, everybody, a lot of people here in the U S and all of Mexico, hoping that they can, uh, somehow find a way against Brazil.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, they managed to find a way through while getting spanked three nil. So you never know. Um, I mean, you'd talk about the transitive principle in World Cups and say, "Well, Mexico beat Germany one to nothing. Germany beat Brazil seven to one. So Mexico are going to beat Brazil eight to one." <laughs> uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no. Um, but I, I mean, I give them a chance. You know, they, the thing is that they played their worst game of the group stage, match day three. Their best game in the group stage in match day one. I think that if they get back to their original form, they could easily beat Brazil. Well, I shouldn't say easily. They could clearly beat Brazil. I still don't think that's likely. You know, again, something we've been talking about is building your way into this tournament, and they certainly didn't do that. And no offense to, you know, your blue and yellow. Blue and yellow, yellow and blue. No offense to your Swedes. <laughs> but Sweden is not the strength of the side of either Germany or Brazil. So no. I think that they'll Absolutely have work cut not. out for them. But, you know... They could, Carlos Velo has come close a number of times. You know, if he hits the target from 17, 20, 23 yards out a couple of times, like they could take a 2-0 lead as they play organized in defense and Brazil shows that they can be, you know, surprisingly hapless in attack. Mexico could win this. And especially, also, I think Marcelo is one of the best fullbacks, certainly in the world right now. Potentially one of the best fullbacks in history, and with him going off injured in match day three, you know that could be a real that could be a real mismatch for them. Although Brazil is a deep deep squad,
0: I yeah, still they, think Mexico's they, got a good chance. Yeah, they have a deep squad, but at the same time, they all they already lost Dani Alves prior to the tournament, so it's not mm-hmm. those would have been your two starting yeah. starting fullback is, so.
1: Yeah, fullback is an area of concern for them.
0: Yeah. No, I, if Mexico finds their way back and play more like they did against Germany, I think that they can have a, a pretty good shot. If they play anywhere remotely like they did against Sweden, it's going to be a bloodbath.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. it's I, I, Honestly, it could be a 7-1 vindication for Brazil at L3's expense, but I don't, I don't think that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, because... The amount of chances they let up against Sweden, I don't think Brazil are going to be as wasteful as Sweden were. So we could easily run away with the scoreline there if yeah. they give up those types of chances again.
1: Well, but again, you know, Mexico had their chances of their own. So I think that they're they're a team that is capable of beating Brazil, even though Brazil are clear favorites. I tell you what, my money's going to be on Mexico.
0: Okay. I mean, it's it's... In one way, I can see it it being a good thing for them that they got sort of slapped on the nose a little by Sweden. Yeah. Because it seemed like, I mean, at least the fans were getting pretty cocky there after the Germany win.
1: Oh, yeah. no, I heard a bunch of people saying, oh, Mexico's definitely going to win the World
0: Cup. Like, really?
1: Are they definitely going to win the World Cup? Because there are a lot of games left to be played against fiercely competitive
0: sides. Yeah. No, I think it was funny too, because a lot of a lot of Mexican fans were talking shit after the loss to Sweden and blamed on the ref, which he was horrible going both oh, yeah. ways. Yeah.
1: I mean he was he was exactly he and was then they're like
0: Oh, so you got a penalty and then an own goal. I was like and then people were like so it was one nothing. I'm like, those goals still count? Yeah. It's still three nothing on the scoreboard. And you were unable to score, so suck it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh Seb, you're officially a Swedish American now because yep. you said suck it Mexico.
0: Exactly. Right, then we got Belgium against Japan. That's the Monday, two PM kickoff. Belgium one team that has been convincing their B side, defeated England's B side here today. One nothing.
1: It was a it was a pretty tepid game. I mean, you know, it was a it was a good strike from Former Manchester United player Adnan Yanazai. but uh, eh, not not overly overly convincing. I would say. I mean, but again, it... there were there were B squads who'd already qualified. Yeah. You know, what do you want? I would rather play. I would rather play Japan than Colombia, even a James Rodriguezless Colombia, which they may be due to his injury. But uh, I, you know, it was. It was two teams worried more about cards and injuries than the scoreline, even if they wanted to win the
0: game. Yeah, but it was a lot better than that France-Denmark game.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. By miles.
0: Even though Fellini played in it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he actually didn't play terribly. He had a, a crucial block that yeah, saved the goal. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, uh, I... I still don't want Arsenal to buy him.
0: The thing is that he's not... Terrible. He should just not be anywhere near Manchester United.
1: Adnan Sorry, I thought you were speaking of Fellaini.
0: No, Fellaini. He should be nowhere near Manchester United.
1: Oh, yeah, that's well established.
0: Yeah, <laughs> nowhere near. We'll see. He's going to make his decision here soon, so hopefully he'll be leaving. But oh, if yeah. rumors he's... are that he's going to sign a new contract, so we'll see what happens oh, there. God.
1: Who knows what Mourinho would do.
0: Oh, well, that's the thing, too, because when he comes in, it's like, okay, now we're just going to hoof long balls up towards Fellaini. Great. Ugh. Okay, Tuesday, Sweden against Switzerland. That's the early kickoff, 10 a.m.
1: Hey, now you don't have to worry about people confusing Sweden with Switzerland, Seb.
0: Or their minds will just be blown. <laughs> they
1: be like, what? Is this like an exhibition game? Yep. Is this like, like the the Spring red versus white games for football training, exactly.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that it was good for Sweden to win their group so they didn't have to play mix or Brazil right away. That being said, I don't think Switzerland is an easy game. No, by no
1: means. I mean, they're I would say that they've been playing like maybe actually um, behind only. Croatia and Belgium, some of the best football in this tournament, uh, you know. And and Granite Jaka is a player I've been frustrated with at Arsenal a number of times. A player that I still think has a lot to to develop, but he's played well this tournament, you know. And Shakiri has like had that crucial winning goal against Serbia, but. He's not been playing up to his best either, but as a unit, they played really well. And I think the fact that you have talented players who are playing well, but maybe not to their absolute potential, but overall your squad is strong, then that's extremely dangerous.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, Sweden, definitely more of a team machine, though. Uh, oh yeah, that's
1: why you couldn't put Zlatan in there. even know, yeah. I
0: know you kind of wanted Zlatan in there. Yeah, of course I wanted Zlatan in there. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I think we still have a lot more to see from Emil Forsberg. He's not. He's been creating a lot of chances, but his finishing has been just awful. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Uh, he's. He's. I mean, speak, again, speaking of the chances that Brazil would bury, he had a handful of them all to himself.
0: Yeah. No, we'll, we'll see what happens there. That's another game that I think could go all the way to penalties. And then the last round of 16 game, that's Colombia against England, Tuesday, 2 p.m. kickoff. And I don't feel like England should be too unhappy about the fact that they're playing Colombia.
1: No. I mean, I again, yeah, I was saying that earlier, that, you know, Colombia and Japan, I guess I would – Slightly prefer Japan, but like with even if Hamas Rodriguez starts the match, a less than one hundred percent Jamez, who is not lighting the tournament on fire the way that he did four years ago. That's that's not a you know they're not facing Brazil, uh, they're not even facing Mexico actually. Like, I would I would rather play Colombia than Mexico.
0: Yeah, I mean Hamas. I thought he was really good in their win over Poland. Yeah, was really I mean, good.
1: honestly, for me, the, the biggest question is does Harry Kane return to goal-scoring form after having been rested in match day three? I understand Garrett Southgate's decision to rest him. I think that objectively, it was probably the right decision, but there is some risk involved, right? Like, form is an important thing, and the most talented team doesn't always win. Greek and, Greece in the Euros. Portugal in the Euros. Yep. And the, like the level of the competition in the World Cup is higher than the European Championships, and so therefore, it is maybe a little bit less important, but it's still crucial. And so that's my biggest question mark. If Harry Kane even gets on the score sheet once, much less scores a brace or a hat trick, which I think he could do against Colombia, then England has a real chance to win this entire tournament. If Harry Kane goes missing, they could shit the bed and lose to a much weaker Colombian side. Now, yeah, I see both of those as possible. I actually think the former is more likely. I mean, I have money on Harry Kane winning the Golden Boot. My money's also on England going deep into this tournament, at least the quarters, the semis as well. Um, But they, they, like this really, I think, is the turning point for England. And that's maybe easy to say moving into the knockout rounds in general, but this is where they show us, okay, you know, we are not what the tabloids tell us we are. We're a world-class side. Let's show it on the biggest stage in the world.
0: Yeah. yep. Before we say goodbye, we should just touch upon the fact that Wayne Rooney has completed his move to DC United here today.
1: I'm sorry. Say that again.
0: Wayne Rooney heading to DC United.
1: Oh, I didn't. I hadn't seen that. Yep. Uh, It's official now, huh? It's only been a rumor for a month and a half.
0: It will be official official on July 10th when the mid-season transfer window opens.
1: Great. All more reason for me to hit the Timbers away day in mid-August.
0: Yep. So, uh, three and a half year deal. Worth 10 million pounds. That is... That's
1: surprisingly low for the figure and surprisingly high for the contract length.
0: So, uh, we'll see. It says that he will make his debut when they open up their new stadium on July 14th.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it also isn't surprising to me that they dragged their feet with this deal, in part, to just, like, kind of big up the new stadium. I mean, they they weren't even selling single-game tickets to Audi Field or whatever it is uh, until a couple weeks ago. It's Audi Field Stadium. No. Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, that's—they're totally doing that so they can sell the naming rights for the stadium. So it'll be like Audi Field at US Bank Stadium.
0: No, I don't think so.
1: Oh, i, I don't know, man. They like—they do that all the time. Like it's—it's it's still Mile High Stadium, but it's blah 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 whatever corporate sponsor field at Mile High Stadium in Denver. Yeah, they. They'll parse it any way they can to squeeze an extra buck out of the game.
0: Nah we'll see. We'll see how it goes. For Wayne Rooney, he leaves the Premier League as the second highest goal scorer in history, 208 goals. Only Alan Shearer had more, with 260.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, he was a wunderkind who was also a journeyman. So, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, he's he's one of the greats of all time. It's sad to see England do so well now without him but it's also a team that he doesn't really have a place in
0: so oh that's very very true okay with that we're gonna say goodbye for this time we'll talk to you again in a couple of days until then be sure to follow us on twitter i'm seb noren elliot is keith was better paulie is p Questel. and until next time have a good one bye bye